Hello and welcome to another episode of Drill to Detail and I'm your host Mark Whitman. My guest this week is another fellow Brit and someone I got to meet around 10 years ago actually through his role as product manager for Oracle Data Integrator and now he's at SnapLogic, a cloud data integration vendor based out of the US. So Craig, welcome and thanks for coming on the show and why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Thanks Mark. Um, so I'm uh, Craig Stewart and today I'm uh, <laughs> going to be uh, uh, a vice president of product management at SnapLogic. Um, so that's what that's what I do at SnapLogic. Um, the, the 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 Americans might not quite get the uh, the 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 uh, <laughs> the history of that one, um, but uh, no, I'm uh, at SnapLogic, um, a uh, cloud integration vendor, enterprise cloud integration vendor, um, uh, based out of San Mateo in California. Uh, we've we we go back some time. <laughs> back to the days uh, at Oracle. I've, I've been with SnapLogic now for just over six years. It was my six-year anniversary uh, this week. And actually, a lot of people um, just pinging me this week because of the, uh, the notification on LinkedIn, which has been uh, you know, lots of uh, names and faces from the past. Okay, so so we met we met probably about sort of 10 years ago now. And, and you, <clears throat> you came into... The world of what I was working in. So I was working as a consultant uh, in the partner space for Oracle, working with tools like Warehouse Builder, um, <clears throat> tools like uh, you know, obviously Oracle Data Integration and so on. And you were a PM then, is that right for the product? Was it a PM or, or were you more in kind of you're in the field, weren't you really? Um, I, w- I was I was um, not actually a PM, oh, right, okay. um, but uh, I, I was always a kind of uh, a, a bit of an oddity in um, <laughs> in, <laughs> in the Oracle structure because I always, I actually remained as a part of the overlay for Europe um, for as we when Synopsys got acquired by Oracle um, we became an overlay um, that that first year um, I actually found out from the uh, the head of um, SEs in the UK so the um, uh, the sales consultants in the UK had this had this interesting conversation where he said oh we ought to get together and it's like oh sure you know he's he's the head of SEs in the UK so right, go and talk to him and we sat down and we were chatting for for the best part of an hour and then he looked across the table and he says you don't know do you <laughs> <laughs> like, what's that then martin it's like you're in my organization from the, you know, the end of the year it's like oh really oh how about that yeah. <laughs> was this martin cooper was this martin cooper yeah that's right yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I was got on well with martin he it, it was it, it was a it was just that funny conversation it was like he's looking across the table at me <laughs> <laughs> How can I say? I had some intuition about what was going on, but I hadn't actually been told at that point. It was Excellent. really confusing. <laughs> Excellent. So, 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 I mean, the, the way I got to know you first of all was through ODI, and, and ODI. When we're going to talk in this in this podcast, we're going to talk about kind of ETL going forward, ET and the cloud, and the work you're doing at SnapLogic, and, and generally sort of directions on there. But I think it'd be kind of interesting just to kind of, I suppose, set some context really, and, and talk about a bit of your history really, to, to I suppose, in a way, to kind of give people a flavour of, of, of your experience in this area and how that kind of informs you know what you're talking about so so you you were working with me and some of my colleagues on on ODI and ODI was one of Oracle's kind of uh you know attempts or or, or product areas really around kind of data integration yeah what, what got you interested in ODI at the time and what was what was interesting about that product and the market I suppose at that point you know if you about say sort of five ten years ago 
Yeah, so I actually joined Oracle through the acquisition of Synopsys. Yeah. Um, and um, the, the I had joined Synopsys through um, an, an old colleague who I'd worked with previously who was running marketing for them. Mm. And um, I had been in the data application and integration space up to that point. Um, and when when the opportunity came up to to join them, you know, it was it was a, a a different implementation. It was something different the way they worked because it was ELT rather than the ETL. And you know, I'd I'd been involved with the you know, the the things like Essential and uh, Informatica over the years, but you know the approach that Synopsys took. And ultimately, ODI was this. You know, you use the database as the transformation engine, which made made an awful lot of sense. Um, and so, you know, that's that's you know, what was different. And then, um, in in the context of when we got acquired by Oracle, um, it you know, it was it was interesting because we were competing with the OWB guys um, and as now now looking back on it you can see that Oracle do this with with many of the tools you know, you you you, um, you you acquire things so that you're competing against yourself and now whichever one of them wins you win so so you know that, that approach that, uh, that that Oracle had you know uh, uh, meant that either way they were going to win and so you know, and as it was interesting that the the ODI technology, um, which was strong on you know, being um, database agnostic and uh, working with the, the different databases, but you know, actually uh, having a, a, I suppose, a little bit of a clunky interface in comparison to uh, the efforts that had gone into OWB, and to see them actually then really combine some of that technology going forward was uh, was, was very interesting because you know, that was part of the weakness uh, of the of the ODI technology. Mm, it was interesting because I think that if you look at so just if, if anybody that if anybody that doesn't know the arcane differences about various Oracle ETL products from sort of ten years ago and so on, um, you know it, it was an interesting time because Warehouse Builder was a tool that it's a classic situation where everybody hated it until it was taken away. Uh, and, and everybody used to moan about Warehouse Builder. And I think it had its kind of quirks, and that's a kind of a charitable way of putting it. But it, it was an in-database ETL kind of tool that would that would generate, you know, PL SQL, which is Oracle's kind of procedural language for sort of SQL. It would generate this. And, and it was it was popular, I would argue, because it was free. And so an Oracle, I think, were in a situation where um, they, they had a tool that was popular with developers, but they couldn't monetize it. And so, and, and there was also that strategic kind of issue where it, it really wasn't designed from the outset to be kind of, I suppose, you know, just as it, it wasn't designed to do ETL on, say, SQL Server or on DB2 or on Teradata. And I think when Oracle went down the route of making all the acquisitions around things like PeopleSoft and, and, and so on, they needed to have an ETL tool that would work on different platforms. But what was also interesting was that ODI wasn't that different to, 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 to sort of OWB. And it must have been interesting within Oracle to come along there with a product that in some ways, you know, you you were in line with Oracle's thinking around sort of using in database ETL. 
but you know, almost sometimes they, 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 they I wouldn't say the hatred, but the often in, in, in life, you know, when there's very few differences between people, actually that kind of in a way causes the most kind of friction, really. It must have been interesting to come in there. And, and I think the outcome has been good. But you know, what was it like coming into Oracle at that point, really, with a product that was different, but not that different to, to OWB? Um, it, it was challenging. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, the, the, there were you know, the meetings with some of the, the product managers on the, um, the, the OWB side. And uh, I don't think there was any love lost between the, the, <laughs> the two groups, should we say. Yes. Um, yes. But ha- have, having said that, that was, you know, professional, um, you know, uh, uh, you know conflict. But actually, you know, some of those people, uh, now that I'm actually over in California, um, I'm, I have met with them uh, socially. And, you know, it's like we, 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 we look back and, uh, uh, and laugh on those days. And you know, it was, uh, yes, it was, it was um, uh, I think you know, there were merits on both sides. And, you know, it was, it was a good, com- good competitive situation. Yes, I always heard that one of the th- weird things about ODI was the, well, I think it was a lot of the concepts were translated from French, weren't they? So there were a lot of words and a lot of kind of concepts in the products <laughs> like flows and things that just didn't make any sense to anybody that had English as a first language. I mean, is that, is that an urban myth or was that kind of true that that was the case? That was absolutely the case. You know, the, it was, uh, we kept finding uh, spelling mistakes and things yeah. <laughs> in, in the in the UI and the documentation for many years. Yes, yeah. yes. And there was one funny story. I remember, I remember you came and spoke at, I mean, we'll get on to kind of snap logic in the future in, in a second, <laughs> but you, know, you came and spoke at an event of ours, uh, which is BI Forum in Brighton, and it was the first one we ever did, I think. It was that kind of strange kind of penthouse thing on top of a, a, top of a hotel oh, yeah. in London, in Brighton, yeah. with that burnt out pier in the, in the, in the background, which was always funny. <laughs> but there was that seven, I, mean, I remember even now, the, the, the release number, 790, five two release of, of ODI which was uh, I mean tell us tell us a story about that really that was that was uh, I mean that that was an interesting version wasn't it I mean, well, the, the, the 7952 was the 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 packaging of ODI for OBIE yes and and the BI apps and the BI apps and that the 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 team down in Bristol I can't remember who that was led by um had had spent an awful lot of effort you know translating informatica workflows into into odi so that they could ship an all oracle product and and you know it was uh, they they stretched the um <laughs> the, the capabilities shall we say but it was interesting um, wasn't it because it was a one off release wasn't it as well i think because now that's what the bi apps runs its etl on but this was about 5 years before it kind of actually got done properly wasn't it that's right that's right uh, but uh, you know that that team down in bristol spent you know, so much time trying to uh, make all that stuff work to have a single consistent oracle product um it, and you know, the the configuration quirks and things around it were uh, <laughs> um quite something but um you know it, it i think it actually drove odi forwards quite a lot it did it uh, did and it's one of those things where you see a lot of the a lot of the features that were then were then built into odi over time you could see were being piloted really then i mean the, i think the funny story is relates to me with that was that i think i spent about six months of my life learning that release and, uh, and 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 kind of working out how it worked, and then I remember you you sort of saying to me at the time, just be aware, this might just be the one release of it, really. And, and it was, I mean, there's obviously a story behind that, and the, and the reason it only had one version, and 
so on. But it, that was where we first met, and and it was you know ever since then we stayed in contact. And uh, and then you ended up, and obviously after a while you ended up leaving Oracle and you went to to SnapLogic. So tell us a bit about the story of I suppose what interested you about SnapLogic and what led you into this world of kind of cloud ETL and cloud data integration. Well. In those last few months that I was with Oracle, um, I had a number of situations where um, we were needing to interface with some of the cloud applications that were emerging at the time. You know, the, obviously, Salesforce being one of them. Um, and uh, you know, when uh, Synopsys got acquired by Oracle, we had just migrated to Salesforce. And you know, on the day of acquisition, Basically, our Salesforce access got cut off because if you're on the Oracle network, you can't go to, to Salesforce. And it was you know, yeah, the, the whole you know, cloud thing at the time um, was you know, a, a, I don't, don't know if it was right to say it was frowned upon within Oracle, but it was uh, you know, certainly not important. Um, and you know, even uh, one of the customers I was working with um, was trying to use uh, Siebel on demand, yeah, hosted Siebel. And yeah, essentially, I had to turn around to the customer and say, actually, you need to go and use something like Informatica because Oracle don't have a tool to integrate to that um, that you know, it suits what you actually want to do there. Uh, you, you, could, you could integrate with that using SOA Suite, um, but SOA Suite is, is a whole complex beast. Uh, and, and, you know, doing integration to an application like that really shouldn't need to be that complicated. Um, and so I had a number of those incidents come up. And then towards the end of 2010, um, I was kind of you know, thinking, well, you know, there were changes that were happening and so uh, I actually got approached um, by uh, a recruiter for SnapLogic, and it sounded interesting because it was cloudy. You know, this was an integration tool. It was cloudy. Um, and looking at the people that were behind it, it was people like Gaurav Dillon, who had actually founded Informatica in the, in the early 90s and run that company. Um, and you know, I'd I was actually, they actually tried to recruit me um, as the first SE in Europe when Informatica actually set up in Europe. Um, and that was going back to, what, 96 or something. Uh, I, I was at Sybase at the time and actually having, having quite a lot of fun doing a, um, uh, an evangelist role there. Uh, so I, no, they, they pursued me quite hard at that point, but I turned them down. But I got to know some of the people. And then as it turned out, so I said, well, you know, this sounds like it's an interesting opportunity. So I you know, went and interviewed with them and I spoke to somebody on the phone. And then they said, OK, well, our, our VP of Europe is going to be you know, uh, in, uh, in, in London. So why don't you go meet him? And I looked at the name and I thought, I'm pretty certain that's the guy that you know, I'd got interviewed by before. And you know, walked into the reception of the uh, the Marriott of Marble Arch, and it's like, yeah, we've we've done this before. <laughs> we've been through this whole interview process, and it's like, oh well, in that case, um, well, let's go and have uh, a bottle of wine and find out what each other's been doing for the past fifteen years. 
<laughs> and it was you know, it was it was very much like that and, and we really hit it off very well and at the time they wanted somebody to run the technical side of the operation in europe and so uh, it 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 all fitted all the check boxes i wanted to do something different the cloud was emerging um, the technologies that they were talking about integrating were you know not only databases but these emerging applications the likes of salesforce and netsuite and those kind of things and you know it it just really gelled as a as a as a concept uh, uh, you know for for uh, you know, it was in uh, at that moment it was the right thing yeah, and I, and I think to be honest, you know, you, you were probably a little bit ahead of your time there as well. Because remember when you went to SnapLogic, um, yeah, I'd heard of them, but I think that the idea of doing ETL or, or data integration or application integration in the cloud was kind of, you know, it was <clears throat> it was it was kind of there, but it wasn't as big a deal as it is now. And I think that's purely that's probably more because you know we're catching up over here, and 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 maybe the Oracle world is is less focused on the cloud. But certainly, I think it seems like a, a prescient move that you made at the time. And, and you've been there ever since, really. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I having joined there, uh, the company at the time was focused more on the mid-market. Um, and it was a commercialization of the open source technology which they had developed. And so at the time, you know, that made sense. It was really running as a hosted application for each customer. And it was at that time that SnapLogic actually took on um, funding from Andreessen Horowitz and said, well, we need to turn this into a true cloud product. And they built from scratch a true SaaS-based product, so where it's an application that runs in the cloud that all users are using the same version. There's no version control issues, all of those things. Um, and so built a completely new product on you know with with that in mind and that was built sort of uh, 2011 2012 and released uh in early uh, 13 and that by that time i had been you know, r running the technical side of europe ended up running all of our field technical people and you know that actually meant that I was the only field technical person outside of North America, and I was running the team. So every Friday night, much like this one, actually, uh, <laughs> I was on calls until 10 o'clock at night, um, uh, talking to my team and all of those things. And so it was at that point that uh, Gaurav, who runs the company, then turned around and said, well, you know, why don't you come and work out of headquarters and you know, manage this product for us? And you know, my kids had both gone off to university at that point, And it was like, well, we're empty nesters. Why not? And you know, a couple of years in California, I can cope with that. So, so Craig, I mean, you're, I, I guess you're from Scotland with a great name of Craig, Craig Stewart. I mean, how, how, how did you make the decision to go to California? I mean, that, that must have been quite a, a tough one, really, to go from, uh, to go from Scotland in the winter to, uh, to California. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Um... Uh, haven't been resident in Scotland, but you know, St Albans to uh, to San Francisco is is a bit of a change, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it. I've nearly moved to the states with work three or four times. Um, uh, you know, with uh, 
um, Sybase and PowerSoft and you know, various other uh, opportunities that we've had. And so it's quite funny. The kids, my got two kids that were away at university, and they kind of went, "Yeah, mum and dad have talked about going to you know America a number of times. It'll never happen, you know." And it was when we uh, you know rented out the house, moved into a flat, and uh, you know said, yeah, "We've got our visas. We'll see you uh, when you want to come and visit us." Oh, fantastic, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. So tell us, tell us a bit. I mean, this is a good opportunity now. I think to tell us a bit about what 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 is SnapLogic the product? Um, yeah, just p- paint a picture of what it is really. What pro- what problem it solves? And we'll drill into a bit of the technical bits in a second. But but tell us a broad sense. You know, why would somebody be interested in in SnapLogic? You know, and who's it for, and so on. So the the product we have today we call the Enterprise Integration Cloud. So it's a SaaS integration uh, platform so that anybody that wants to do integration in the enterprise today and by integration, we're talking about data or application integration. Um, so data integration, by that we mean the sort of the more of the, the database uh, type integrations. Um, but equally today, that has gone and includes the Hadoop-type technologies as well as the cloud data warehousing, the, the things like Redshift and uh, Snowflake, Azure SQL Data Warehouse, those things, which we see um, as having really taken over from you know, the, the old query offloading. Oh, you know, instantiate a MySQL on the side and you know, query the hell out of that rather than impacting production systems. Well, now today, we see major customers actually taking the, 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 the option to use things like Redshift, um, where you, know, you pay for what you use um, as you know, the, the technology of choice. So, so we do that integration. And it's a very much a drag and drop co- and configure interface. And uh, you know, as, as the product manager of this product, I mean, one of the things that I'm you know, adamant about is I don't want my users to have to go in and write any code. That they should be able to achieve their integration tasks by dragging and dropping and configuring. Now, now that is quite a, a stiff challenge. Our developers have to build the snaps, the 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 uh, connectors to these different applications and technologies to abstract the complexity of the APIs, so that it is possible to have not only the flexibility of uh, and the ease of use, but also to be able to uh, actually you know, twiddle the knobs that need to be twiddled when you want to do more complex things. So it's, it's very much about giving customers the ability to integrate applications and technologies and you know, databases, etc., in a you know, an easy to use interface, which is browser based, so there's no install required. So you're not using an Eclipse based uh, user interface or anything like that. This is you, know, you go to elastic.snaplogic.com in your browser, 
and you use that to build, manage, and monitor all of the integrations. And we separate the what we call the control plane, which is that user interface, the uh, the, the management console and all of those things as well as the application that's behind that that stores the metadata that uh, does the authentication uh, that monitors the in, the infrastructure and everything else we separated that from the execution plane and the execution plane what we call a snaplex can actually run we can provide it as a service in cloud or what we see in most enterprises is that what we call the data gravity means that that needs to run on-premise today because there are few customers and few enterprises that are all cloud-based. You need mm-hmm. to be able to reach the Oracle database on-premise or the, the, mm-hmm. the, the SAP system on-premise and integrate that with some of these cloud applications, whether it be Redshift or whether it be Salesforce, you can run those things behind the firewall and have access to all of those things. Whereas if you use it purely in the cloud, you have that barrier of, well, the firewall administrator knows how to say no. What don't you understand about no? Um, you know, in you know, can I reach into those sorts, those systems? from the internet. Um, so what we do is we run what we call the groundplex on-premise. It only makes bound connections. So that enables it to actually run on-premise. It's self-maintaining. And that's one of the important things about how we, we built this. The infrastructure itself, once it's installed, once that snapplex is, is instantiated on-premise, um, all of those the, the nodes that make that up are automatically going to be kept up to date. So if there's any new code, um, whether it be at the, um, the, the, the execution engine itself or whether it be updates to the connectors to different applications, we deliver those automatically into the application and it's self-maintaining. So so the customer can concentrate on the business of their business rather than the business and complexity of keeping up to date with all of those things in uh, the applications and everything that they're using. So, so, so a vendor, a vendor like say, I don't know, Informatica, for example, would would have would 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 also have on the surface a similar story. So it would say that we can run ETL in the in the cloud on premise and so on. What what's the kind of the differentiator? What's the kind of innovation that SnapLogic would have that would be different to that and would be a, a you know in your view a better solution for kind of hybrid um, you know data integration? So so our focus has been enterprise integration and the complexity that enterprise integrations have. So with something like uh, Informatica you can do those integrations with something like Power Center. Um, Power Center isn't uh, ideal to be run in the cloud. You've got the complexity of maintaining the uh, the metadata schema, the database that holds the metadata and all of those things. With SnapLogic, you just use the integration functionality that we provide and you have just the execution engine on-premise. Um, so you know, in, 
firstly, in comparison to the traditional ETL tools, you know, this is a true SaaS product and maintainability uh, of that. The second, secondly, those companies like that, Informatica, have a cloud offering, but it doesn't deal with, you know, it was built for sim simply integrating uh, endpoints like Salesforce and not dealing with the complexity of both cloud and on-premise in a single uh, unified user interface. So, so with SnapLogic, you've got this unified user interface, which you know, the use does the functions of both what used to be called ETL and EAI, so the application integration. And you know things like we deal with data as a as a document, not as rows and columns. And you know you've you've dealt with uh, you know XML. In, and uh, you know, dealing with XML, ODI had a, a relatively good solution for XML, which was the uh, the driver for XML, which basically shredded your XML into a pseudo relational structure. But you then had to deal with each of the tables that made that up. With SnapLogic, we deal with the document, and so if the application you're dealing with gives you uh, a an XML document or a uh, a JSON document that's natively going to work as that complete document. We don't have to break it up or, or shred it to actually be able to use the data inside it. Okay, okay. So tell us about what, what so you mentioned snaps and snaplexes and so on. So, so that, yeah. that again sounds like a sort of a differentiator, a key, key part of the architecture. So tell us what a snap is and tell us about this, a bit more about snaplexes and so on. So, so, so the snaps are, um, are the intelligent connectors to the different applications so when when and we've got something like 400 odd uh, snaps today that address uh, different applications enterprise type applications cloud applications and technologies so that ranges from things uh, right the way through from the databases, the SQL servers, oracles, um, yeah, Postgres, MySQL, etc. So the the database type technologies, the cloud enterprise cloud applications, uh, a lot of things going on in the workday space at the moment. As you can imagine, there are lots of uh, PeopleSoft customers that are you know up for uh, for um, migrating, and we see a lot of activity in that space actually. Um, as as well as the you know the the Salesforce and the ServiceNow and uh, you know those other cloud applications you know Oracle have been uh, out there buying lots of them you know the Eloquas and those kind of things um, and you know the snaps basically abstract the complexity of dealing with those things so yes you could use something like a a SOAP API and you know the one one of the the things that we see ourselves we see competing with other products in the market is you know the the tools that have a soap api and you, know, you can you can uh, join these things together it, it's real straightforward because it's got an api you know this whole api economy thing uh, yes but somebody then ends up having to write the code to do that integration um uh, the, with the complexity of something like uh, Soa Suite, and so what what our objective is is to make that really simple and abstract it. So, with when dealing with an application like 
Salesforce, for instance, the snap handles all of the authentication. It handles the uh, the keeping do any keep alive's and things like that that need to be done, as well as you know if you're retrieving a set of data, automatically doing the iteration of the result set so that you you keep that streaming in, and you know, that's just a drag and drop uh, uh, artifact that you drop onto the the canvas. So one artifact rather than having to define all of that. Uh, all of those different actions they're encapsulated and obviously it you know um, uh, does the introspection on the application so it will then suggest you know if you're dealing with a database it will suggest you know these are the schemas that you have access to these are the tables automatically dealing with those kind of things and you know, one of the other things is that we do schema on read so if somebody goes and adds new columns to the database it doesn't break the integration. If there's new things that appear in the XML, it doesn't break the integration. Right. So we had this uh, actually interesting. I was going to bring this into the into the discussion. We had uh, stream sets on the uh, on, on on the show a few quite a while ago actually, and it's kind of interesting. It, it's again, it's kind of similar but different to, to you guys. So they, they they talk about this 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 kind of uh, issue about schema schema evolution over time, and they talked about how they handle um, how they handle kind of schema changes and, and new columns coming in and so on. So and 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 you know they had various kind of in memory structures and so on there for sort of handling that. How, how does SnapLogic handle schema evolution then? And, and I suppose schema changes over time then. What, you mentioned it handles, it works with schema on read, but what's the sort of technical solution behind that and the idea behind it? So, so the idea is that you know, the, the applications today aren't as static as, as you know, what, that which we had got used to. Um, and you, know, you, you look at these applications like NetSuite and Salesforce, um, and you know, they, they, the, the schema changes with each version of the API. And for, for customers, trying to maintain as they go forward those things um, becomes a nightmare. So that's why this, this idea of schema on read of, okay, well, we're, we're going to accept what you give us. Um, you know, it's going to have uh, you know, the, the various fields. You know, and like um, uh, eBusiness Suite, with eBusiness Suite, there was a fixed there's a fixed way that you get additional um, columns uh, that relate to each each different object. Well, in the new world, that's very much more flexible, and you can just add those fields. And you know, it's like the NoSQL databases; it doesn't matter. You can just have what what actually comes. So SnapLogic will take what comes, and you you're only fixing the detail if you refer to a field. Um, then, then it's going to um, you know, actually look for that field, and that's the only things that are going to be fixed in the the data flow. Um, of course, you know, actually, even that doesn't need to be need to cause any problems because what it's built for is built to be flexible, and so that even if one of those fields is not in the the schema set that you're presented with. Um, then it's going to go. Okay, well, you, I'll just be, I'll just be lenient, and you know, if I won't do that mapping, if it's asking for that field, 
and so the whole idea is that you you have less friction when you're when you're building these these integration flows okay okay so so another I remember we spoke you and I spoke a couple of years ago when I think when you when you were when you'd moved to uh, to, to mm. stream set, sorry to uh, <laughs> to to, uh, to 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 snap logic, and and one of the things that you were talking about a lot of the time was application in, application integration versus kind of data integration. And you showed me at the time demos of connecting uh, this SaaS app to that SaaS app and working at a higher level of abstraction than just working at table level and so on. So is that still a kind of part of what snap logic do? And is that again a differentiator for for, for your product? Absolutely. So, you know, the being able to flow data between you know, different applications, and you know, to have, in fact, what what we've increasingly been doing is building pre-building um, those integrations. Uh, there is only so much abstraction that you can do. Um, so, if you're flowing um, you know, uh, orders from uh, uh, opportunities that have closed in Salesforce and flowing them to something like Workday. Um, Workday has a fairly rigid structure, shall we say. Um, uh, and so what we can do is actually pre-build those and then they can just be offered to customers, okay, you need the integration that does you know, that flow. Well, here's the pre-built one. And because of the flexibility that we have in, term, in the schema on read type thing, that allows us to have those pre-built patterns that then only require a small amount of tweaking to address the specifics of that particular customer. So, you know, those those are, are quite important. So, the, those are the patterns in the SnapLogic user interface, um, and uh, those there's a building library of those. So, not only have we got the snaps that address the applications and technologies. The specific ones, but there are these pre-built patterns that are pre-built sets of snaps that, that flow together to the different endpoints and the like. Okay, okay. So um, uh, let's let's kind of move on a little bit, really, to sort of thinking about, I suppose, where the in industry is going now and, and mm. so on. And a couple of things that that I've noticed in the current kind of role that I'm doing is. A, a lot of talk around data integration is around data flow and and, and kind of uh, pipelines and things happening in real time and things like Apache Beam and, and and so on really and also bizarrely you know but 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 this is the case a lot of stuff now is hand coded so if you're working with Apache Beam for example or cloud data flow on 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 uh, on on the Google platform it's more common that you would use you would code stuff so let, let's cover though interesting I want to cover both of those things there but let's start with pipelines and and data flow. So, what was the SnapLogic view on on data pipelines and, and data flow kind of ETL and that sort of thing? So, we 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 I try not to differentiate um, you know, where you have a a flow um, of data in, in SnapLogic terms. That's a pipeline, and that pipeline in itself can actually trigger other pipelines and so it can be what more of what we would call a process flow so it uh, a process flow is just a data flow that causes pipelines to be executed um, and you know, that you know, could be scripted and what we what we actually see is people using various different ways that they want to integrate um, 
some of these applications. They want the integration to happen either you know, on demand. So I want to schedule the execution of this pipeline at a particular time. And I might have a, a, an enterprise scheduler like Control-M or Oracle's enterprise scheduler that can trigger them. They also might want them to be invoked on a change in an application. So using an outbound trigger from those applications. So both, you know, or pretty much all of the cloud applications can trigger events, much like database triggers, where they say, well, when this event happens, make this REST request to SnapLogic. And you know, every action within SnapLogic, every pipeline, can be exposed as a REST API. And that's out of the box that you get that functionality that um, then allows you to integrate SnapLogic. And you know, integration isn't always the center of um, a, a customer's world. Usually, the center of the customer's world is the main application that they happen to be dealing with at this point in time. And so integration sometimes might be regarded somewhat as a, a necessary evil, shall we say. Um, I don't like to think of it that way. I think it's it's essential. Um, definitely not on the evil for, on the evil side. Um, but um, you know, being able to be integrated rather than just integrating is really important. So being able to be called, you know, whether it's from a command line or from an, another application or an enterprise scheduler of some kind. We, we, that's a, a, a pattern that we see our customers implementing you know, all of the time. Uh, and being able to be triggered uh, with those real-time flows, and, and you know, we have the, the concept of um, you know, triggered pipelines, which are the ones that you, know, you make a REST request, and it may, it may be moving one row of data. It may be you know, in invoking a whole another process. So we have those triggered pipelines, and we also have um, this thing which we call ultra pipelines. And, you know, that kind of the implication there being there is much lower latency on those requests that go to ultra pipelines because the pipeline itself is already running and we just simply marshal the data in and out of that automatically for the customer without them having to build the infrastructure of putting in place a uh, you know an http server and you know or uh, loading up a, an app server or something that's all provided as part of the product and so you can then use these ultra pipelines and we're talking you know uh, overhead of milliseconds to flow data through an ultra pipeline because the pipeline's all already running and you know, it can you know, do a, any, any sort of request response type operation can actually be done using that mechanism and you know, with millisecond type overhead. And we've got you know, a number of customers, uh, including some banks, interestingly enough, in the US, using this technology um, to service their customers one of the interesting things there is that 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 ultra pipeline capability you know, the cloud is ultra reliable right mm. 
Yeah, except for when S3 goes down. I was about to say, yes, yes, that was uh, famously, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Um, and, you know, the snap logic itself a lot of the snap logic infrastructure is hosted on the amazon technology and um you know we were affected by that except our customers running ultra pipelines because the ultra pipelines because they're instantiated and running already they survive an outage of the network um and can continue processing even when those cloud side resources uh, become unavailable and uh, so you know that that's an interesting one for those kind of banking type customers and those that have to have you know four nines and five nines technology enables customers to be able to do that and at a fraction of the cost of you know, of the ha of uh, of years gone by Okay. Okay. So, so, so you're, you know, you're doing a role of product management role at the moment, and one of the things, one of the parallels that I've spotted, I, I think I've seen really in in the data integration market that is similar to BI is how you've had, you know, classic kind of massive eat, uh, enterprise. Each, uh, data integration companies and products and so on but you've also had this kind of thing where uh, where you've now had the rise of sort of data prep tools so so data i mean google announced their data prep tool last week and that's it the analogy for me is is in kind of desktop bi tools where end users can start to kind of do little bits of data integration themselves and also you've had this thing where a lot of stuff now is coded by engineers as well and and so you you've had quite a lot of kind of I suppose kind of changes in the data integration market that that kind of made. I just wondered again. Let's let's take a start on that. So first of all, coding. You know, one of the things that is really strange these days, but is is the case is a lot of ETL now. A lot of data integration is hand coded, and you might say. So if you worked with Apache Beam, it's hand coded. If you work with things like Morphline, it's hand hands code hand coded. What, what's your view on that? Really, I mean, is that legit, or is is that just kind of like a bit of a regression, or or what really? Um. One of the reasons why people are hand coding, I think, is that these technologies are you know, haven't matured enough for graphical user interfaces to be built on top of them. And uh, and one of the the things that we actually built was um, uh, what we call Snap Reduce, which was using that that same graphical user interface with drag and drop objects and automatically generating the map reduce code in the background to to you know, build those those integration tasks in map reduce and we then implemented the same thing in spark um, yes it's spark reduce no it's not spark spark we we it definitely didn't have quite the same ring of a name to give that one but uh, that graphical user interface on top of these technologies is something that as the market matures people because uh, i'm i'm in i live in uh, you know san mateo in california and that area in, in the valley the resources to find someone to work big data you're competing with the Facebooks and the Googles paying extraordinary salaries, shall we say. Um, and most companies simply can't afford those kind of resources to do you know, data integration or data preparation tasks. Um, 
data engineering task, perhaps. Um, and so the the evolution from people writing code that the Googles and the Facebooks can afford afford to have versus the you know, the 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 the, the normal enterprise companies um the quality of uh, not not sure the the, how to how what the phrase is the the level inconsistent inconsistent isn't it yeah the 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 level of um capability that you have to have to 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 use apache beam and you know these other things the, the kafka and the like um you, you, the, that barrier has to be lowered for them to gain, to gain mainstream adoption. And it's only through putting a, a graphical user interface on top of them that they are going to get more widespread adoption. And otherwise, what you're, going to, what you're going to end up with is yet another one of these really promising um, uh, projects that nobody actually had people that were clever enough to implement for long enough, and that they could keep hold of for long enough, before something else came along to to uh, drag them away, whether that be another technology mm. or somebody paying more money for it. Okay, so what about what about data prep? So data prep is 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 the other kind of I suppose one other kind of development in this area where uh, you know it's where putting putting kind of more basic user driven data preparation tools into people's hands uh, has has been again another area. I think Tableau, for example, built some stuff into that, some of their BI tools. You've got Oracle's own offering in this area. Google have just done something I think with uh, Trifecta and so on. But what's your yeah. thoughts on what's your thoughts on the data prep market and and the, and the use case that's meeting and, and so on? Is that what do you think on that? Um, let me ask uh, the, the the question that we ask ourselves in that space is: Is data prep a feature of the, these technologies, or is it actually a separate product market? Um, and you know, given that you know, the 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 tools like Trifecta and uh, those kind of tools are are so narrow at this point. You know, we see we see the likes of Tableau adding that kind of functionality. The, the likes of Burst you know, are, are expanding their capability in that space. So all of the the the, the visualization vendors are also you know, looking for that space. The database vendors also need to address that space and. and you know, frankly, I see that space as you know, being squeezed from both sides, um, and it's it's one of those areas where it's important because as more people start to do more with data and people are looking for more um, you know, uh, forward-looking um, uh, analytics rather than rearview mirror analytics, they need more people to be working with the data. Uh, and making that easy is very important. So all of the people with the data are going to be providing more of that. And all of the people with the visualization tools and the machine learning and those kind of things are going to be looking to make it as easy to enter that space as possible. Mm. Integration goes across all of these. Mm. 
Mm. So in Paxata, another example of a, of a company, I think that I mean, I've often wonder whether Paxata could be do to do they could do to the enterprise data integration vendors what say Tableau did to kind of Oracle and 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 so on there, and then you've got things like Amazon Glue. I mean, what, so Amazon Glue is is a is a is a pre-announced I think sort of product from yeah. from uh, sort of, it's a charitable way of putting it a kind of a pre-announced product from from Amazon that appears to be the kind of holy grail really of of, of kind of data integration. You know using things like classification, using things like auto-generation of ETL. I mean, you know, have you, have you have you sort of had a look at Amazon Glue? Have you kind of got any views on that at all? I mean, it's, uh, there's obviously an interesting competition thing there with, with running your stuff on Amazon as well. But w- what's your view on, on, on there being this kind of, in a way, holy grail, silver bullet really for this kind of work? It's, it's, um, it's, it's good, healthy competition, without a doubt. Um, and you know the the as with you know, all of these the the other areas, Amazon's glue is mostly focused on Amazon's own products, and there is movement in um, in in the world where you, know, you get the anything but Amazon in the same way that you know there there was an anything but Microsoft or anything but Google, and you know. Um, so I think that any, anything that's within one ecosystem, much like Oracle have some good tools around the Oracle technologies, um, but they start to fall down when you are going wider than that set of technologies. Um, uh, so no, that, that's kind of where we see that at the moment. Uh, the other thing with Amazon Glue is it's again still requires quite a degree uh, a depth of knowledge yes. of the technologies and uh, the capability of the developers to use it yeah you exactly know, there's a high barrier to entry and to be fair you know it's not actually out yet and and, and so it's, it's hard to kind of to react against something that not react against it but have an opinion on something that actually is more kind of like a couple of a couple of pages on the web but it, look, it looks i mean i i think the the interest and the innovation and the focus and the investment in the data integration market is always kind of interesting so you know i welcome it in, in, in my respect so so i'm conscious of time now and and but one, one thing i want to ask you was was so so it sounds like you and snap logic have made some kind of good bets that have paid off in terms of kind of you know, focusing on the cloud um, to, to run things as a kind of multi-tenant SaaS service and so on there uh, uh, but you know going forward you know what what are the problems that still need to be solved you think for customers what are the things that uh, what you know things like uh, to put out there things like data governance and, and and stuff like that I mean what what are the problems that still have yet to be solved that people like yourself are kind of investing in and thinking about and and, and focusing on really for the future uh, metadata and governance, without a doubt, you know, it's one thing being able to uh, move data, um, but within an enterprise, there is still a plethora of different applications and technologies <clears throat> um, that are being used. And you know, if you look at the Cloudera environment, there's the the Cloudera director, and that can show you, you know, what's being used where in that Hadoop infrastructure. But of course. You know, what about what happens upstream and what happens downstream? And so, actually, that—that's whether it whether you regard it as a standalone metadata space, or whether it should be you know, a, a a feature that everybody is is working with. 
um, is something that is certainly occupying my time at the moment. Trying to figure out, you know, in in we've got some customers that are you know wall to wall Snap Logic customers like Adobe that have actually you know basically done a rip and replace uh, to use Snap Logic across the whole piece. Other customers, you know, it's just not feasible to rip and replace the existing integrations that they've got. You know, uh, talking to one customer last week, you know, they've got something like 14,000 integrations and you, know, you, you simply can't rip and replace those things. You know, that's an evolution. But you know, as we did uh, you know, with the, the ODI technology, uh, you know, having that metadata layer that can tell you, firstly, where everything is flowing and, and doing the impact analysis, the data lineage, those things, but also being able to get that beyond the, uh, the ETL tool itself, you know, as, as we did with the, the ODI um, in the, the 7952 thing, where you could start to get the metadata in the report that you were looking at that would tell you where that had actually come from. And that was, that that kind of thing is certainly um, what people are looking for. And with with data governance requirements, that that we see as something that we need to figure out amongst ourselves in the industry how to deal with. And that's one of the things that certainly um, I and my team are looking at at the moment um, to figure out what we can do and whether that's one of these projects under the Apache projects, for instance, that that we're looking at, um, or whether it's you know, an extension of these these same things, like like uh, the the uh, uh, director at Cloudera. Okay, okay. So so where would people just to finish off then? Where would people find out more about SnapLogic and and maybe sort of like maybe ask for a trial or or just get more information? Really, where where, where give us a bit of a kind of guide to that, really. So. Yeah, we're a cloud company. Everything's on the web. Um, so www.snaplogic.com, naturally. Um, and you know, within that, actually, we've, as it happens, um, just gone through a revamp of our uh, website this very morning. Um, so launching the enterprise inter- integration cloud um, branding and things. So we've got a whole load of new content and things up there. Um, and, you know, that that's the the, uh, the the first place. Obviously, there's there's lots of stuff there. Um, you know, we've got bodies on the ground in here in the UK. So we've got a team based in the city in the UK. I think we've got uh, eleven people now in the UK, um, and you know, also in the US, obviously, um, but also a, a team in uh, in Australia, um, serving the Australia and New Zealand market. We've got some some. Uh, Good customers that have uh, have been gathered now outside of North America as well. But you know, we have those people, and obviously, you know, the you can certainly contact them through the website uh, and the usual info at snaplogic.com um, will uh, will come through to uh, our team, and they will direct to uh, wherever people need to. Um, you'll also see us at you know, things like the Gartner AADI conference. In particularly in London in May, for instance, um, and and various other events um, uh, uh, around the globe. 
Fantastic. Well, Craig, it's been a pleasure speaking to you again. It's been uh, a few years, but certainly it's been, uh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, it, you sound like you're doing a very interesting job and a very interesting company and in a market that is still just as relevant and just as being invested in and, and important to customers, really. So um, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, it's great to speak to you again. My pleasure, Mark. And you know, thanks, for, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks. Keep in touch. Bye-bye.